your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Wednesday Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Sola. I'm in the studio with me. This hour is Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel, and we're going to talk about selling some schools. We just made that announcement. Was it this morning? Yeah, just this morning. Yeah, it came out. We sold some schools. Uh, a, a school, I should say. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on Zillow. I don't know if you got a good deal on it, but we can talk about that. It's all part of a long-range facilities plan that the Lacrosse School District is doing. The Lacrosse School Board is going to have to deal with here pretty soon. Um, beyond that, I want to talk about we all. This is like an ongoing thing, and I actually don't know where you're going to where you're going to be with this. But truism, true <laughs> truancy, and absenteeism, truancy. Or absenteeism. I think I made a new word there. Can we get that in to uh, Webster's Dictionary? Um, but before that, and I know this isn't going to be like a, you're not going to have tons of info on this, but you you are a, no, I forgot. You're with the National Guard and you're uh, something ca- like a, a leader of, well, you you tell me. Yeah, so uh, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm uh, in the National Guard. I'm a lieutenant colonel, and I work over at Fort McCoy at the Wisconsin Military Academy. But you, when you're a lieutenant colonel, but you, when you go over there, you're doing what? Like, uh, So I help, uh, oddly. Aren't you in charge of a group, a battalion, right? Aren't you a battalion something? Yep, I'm a battalion commander, there and I help is. lead okay. a training battalion. So okay. My superintendent job and my army job are pretty aligned right now. Okay, so when I was looking at the wire earlier today, it was, you know, it's always, okay, first of all, a plane, a a Russian plane carrying Ukraine POWs went down. And I'm just thinking, like, this is my, in my head, I'm like, oh, the Putin's enemy fell out a window. So I'm like, oh, my God. And then the next headline was something Israel. And then the next headline was something Iraq. And I don't know, you're part of the National Guard, so I don't know if this is like, you have to pay attention to this. And I don't know if this is something like, hey, you guys that I'm, you know, working with, you might be going, I don't know if that's something that they would be thrown into, but this is like, these are happening all over the place now. And and how do you take that? Yeah, so we've got two amazing missions in the National Guard. One is to support our state and the needs that we have here, whether that's disaster relief or, um, you know, a riot challenges or other things, uh, polling place missions, uh, COVID. But we also have a federal mission, and we are able to help out worldwide when the federal government calls us. And so uh, it's something that we're certainly monitoring and aware of. You know, we still have troops that uh, deploy out to Iraq. Uh, and we support the Horn of Africa with uh, missions, and uh, we're aware of other things that are going on too. And so we're here ready to answer the call and support our country however we can. How do you guys train? Because A, you have to train for if it floods, we have to go help with a flood, and then B, if it escalates overseas. So like, is it one week we're going to do something, and then the next month we're going to do something else, or...? Are you training for like 24 hours and therefore we can get it all in? I feel like you're cramming all the time otherwise. Yeah, we uh, in the National Guard, we've got super flexible soldiers. We all have day jobs, uh, you know, working in our communities. And, you know, you might be in an engineering uh, battalion ready to work a, a forklift and a, a heavy equipment. Uh, but you also might be working in a law office or a school district or 
you know, doing the same thing in construction on the civilian side. So fortunately, our soldiers in the National Guard are, are super flexible and ready to adapt to any mission that we're th- that's thrown at us. Are those soldiers? Are those guys also? Those soldiers also? Okay, and then also I have to work the rail gun on the back of a Hummer. <laughs> so Absolutely, speak, right? it seems it's, it's kind of scary, but. Yep, uh, trained in all the things that might come our way. You know, we have to work on marksmanship and those other things to defend ourselves and uh, the countries that we're sent to. Uh, challenges, uh, but good ones to have and, you know, really proud work to serve our country. And you've been doing this a long time, right? Yeah, been in 20 years. Uh, where did you start and, like, what's your forte? Uh, so I'm in the Medical Service Corps, and so I support medical folks. So I'm here to provide the resources, training, uh, and uh, support. This, this to, sounds like a nurse. Are you a nurse? I, I'm not a nurse, okay. but I support nurses. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, in a, I'm a, like a hospital administrator. Okay. Uh, so I, I help doctors, nurses, medics, uh, dentists do their job uh, so that they can deliver the service we need to our troops so that they can be successful in their missions. All right. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Dr. Aaron Engel is going to hang out this hour. If you got questions, we're going to talk about selling Lincoln. That news came out this morning. And then where we go from here as a school district when we come back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. In the studio with me this hour is Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel. Is it weird that I say Dr. Aaron Engel? Should I say like Aaron Engel, PhD, or is it? Just call me Aaron. <laughs> just call you Aaron. I, I do once we get talking, but I like to, it's like you got the doctorate. So I kind of like to give you guys the uh, the credit for, for getting it. Um, maybe when I write it, Engel, I should do this, right? Like I should do the, what, P, little H, period, big D. Is that how that works? I don't know what the AP style is for, for uh, PhDs. But anyway, um, we're going to get to the selling of Lincoln Middle School and what that, you know, what that means as part of the, the school district's long-range facility plan. But I have two other things, um, and I've, I've kind of – I don't know if I want to rip on the, the, the school district population, so not you in the school district, but the lacrosse population that, that votes in the school district. But we have three literal open seats for the school board. Because the incumbents aren't the three incumbents aren't running, so it leaves them open. Anyone can can run and anyone can win. And we only had two people actually file the paperwork and qualify and are essentially going to be school board members unless there's some incredible write-in campaigns. Um, did that surprise you as you know, somebody who's at every school board meeting? I imagine you're at every school. I don't know if you miss any, but like you you kind of understand uh, what the school board goes through. So did that surprise you that not pe- not a lot of people ran? Yeah, it was a little bit surprising. The last two years we've had contested elections, and last year we even had a, a primary, you know, so that we had to whittle the, the candidate field down to, to six, or I think eight. Uh, so, uh, yeah, surprising that there's only two running. I'm thankful that they are, people that have put their name in and, you know, care enough about public schools. Uh, you know, we always want a full ballot. Uh, I know there's other folks out there that care, and, you know, we'll see a write-in candidate. All right. So, and you were saying before the show, this is kind of funny. We've, we've had writing, I don't know, have you, you're, you're new to this. So have you had, you had, probably have an experience of writing. Well, we get writing candidates regardless, right? Whether or not the ballot is full. So you were telling me who, who has been the winner of the writing candidates in the past? Yeah, we get writing candidates every year. You know, folks don't like the choices that are on the ballot and they throw on somebody else's name. If the writing candidate won, who got the most votes the last few years, it'd be 
Donald Trump, okay. and prior to that, the standard was Mickey Mouse. Oh, the Mickey—that's weird. Why would it be Mickey Mouse? And how many years ago would it been? What do you think it would have been Mickey Mouse? Yeah, I think prior to um, you like know, 20, President Trump's 2016, election, 2016, yeah. when he ran. But yeah, before that, generally it was Mickey Mouse, and that just shows the popularity of Disney, I guess. Yeah. So if now Mickey Mouse, obviously not real, but if Donald Trump moved into the Lacrosse School District and he won the writing campaign, or what will happen now is somebody will move into, or somebody will win the writing campaign. What's the what's the process uh you, they have to live here obviously and then but b- because me and you could come up with uh you know behind closed doors we could come up with a writing campaign but we could get somebody else elected and then but they they wouldn't even have to know it right like you could start a writing campaign. i don't know if there's laws against it i, I might be talking to the wrong person here yeah so uh because there isn't because there's an open ballot seat uh, the write-in candidate with the most votes, who is a resident in the school district, will reach out to them and ask if they want to accept that that role. And if they say yes, that's the person that's on the school board. Right. And if they say, I what? <laughs> that would be interesting, right? They they could make the decision, but it is interesting. That it's, I think, I, I just, I feel like there, there's probably not a law against you starting a write-in campaign for somebody else. Yeah. Have, have you ever gotten any votes? I have not gotten any votes. You have zero votes? Zero votes at this point. I, I, I'm certain that some folks will come out who support public education and will be good write-in candidates, and I bet we'll see their names around town here in the coming months. Now, I had the Teachers Union president on, Jesse Martinez, a couple weeks ago. Teachers in the school district can't be on the school board, right? Uh, that is and, correct. You can't supervise yourself. Yeah, okay. It would be unethical and illegal under the law. It, but teachers... In, so, but like an Onalaska teacher could be on the lacrosse school board, right? If they lived in the school district, is that kind of weird? Uh, it, it's a little different. You know, they are supporters of public education. They understand the business. And so I, I've seen it in many places where uh, teachers or administrators in other school districts that work in other school districts, but live in yours might end up running for the board. It's not uncommon. Um, and, and I would say, I think, uh, is it Juan? Jimenez, yep, Dr. Jimenez. You know he works at Western. We've had we have some UW lacrosse uh, professors on the school board, so it's not like we don't. I just I don't know if we have any. Do we have any teachers that are in other districts on the school board? You know, uh, or have not you? at this time. Not at this time. Okay. Um, yeah, and then like, how do you guys hear about writing candidates? Do you, do you have you heard? Is there any? I've seen one online, but I can't remember the name. Yeah, we monitor Facebook and kind of keep it, abreast of things. Sometimes folks call in and ask if there's anything you know that they need to do, and so we're here to support candidates and make sure that they get the information they need. If they you know have a successful campaign, so to speak, they're subject to campaign finance laws and some of those other things, and so we just want to support them to make sure that they're doing things the right way. So if anyone's thinking about having a write-in candidate, it wouldn't be bad just to call the district and say, hey, what rules do I have to follow? But it is kind of funny, like whoever wins the – then, you know, whoever wins the right vote is going to be on the school board, whether they know it or not, and whether they, uh, you know, they, they could get like three votes. Yeah, it it's, could be three votes, and we'll identify that individual, verify their address, and give them a call. Do you have any idea of how many votes you make it? You make any, like, you know what? You probably need to get like 100 votes to win a right in campaign. Have you guys looked at that at all? Uh, my guess, based on talking to others who've experienced this, is probably two to 300 votes will put you in the running for, uh, for winning a right in campaign. All right, 608-785-791. You want to throw those on? Let's see. We got a caller here. Caller, who's this? You're on with Dr. Ingalls. Hi, Dr. Ingalls. Just to clarify, if Lincoln gets sold, is that the school board's property? Do they get the money, or does the 
city get the money? Or is the school board a, a different cost center as the owner of the building? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the school district owns that property, and so uh, when the district sells it, the school district will receive the funds for that. The school district puts the, the funds from sold property into a special account that we end up using for facilities in the future. And we haven't really even talked about it. I've been saving that. I don't know, caller. You just kind of jumped the... No, I'm just kidding. Um, we, we can. We can just start there. The Lacrosse School District announced this morning that they sold Lincoln Middle School, so... When did you put it? When did you put it on the market? In August? Did did it kind of close down in August? Um, so the school board voted to to um, uh, close the building in February. Yeah, this, a year ago. Yep. This August was its last uh, time, uh, last use as a school building. But in May was when we put out the request for proposals to seek developers for the property. And so we've been in the RFP process since, and we're finally able to negotiate a purchase agreement uh, last night. All right, so two point two million is how much the building sold for. Um, did they whittle you down? Did they did they did they charge uh, you know thirty thousand over asking price like we've seen in the housing market? Not lately, but I think maybe a year ago. That's what, that was the. How did that process work? Yeah, um, once uh, we identified the, the the developer we wanted to go forward with, uh, it was a collaborative process to kind of come to terms on on the the agreement. And you know, we were really impressed with their portfolio of similar type projects uh, around the the tri-state area. And so, uh, really excited to work with them on an amazing project to build some affordable housing in the area uh, and also maintain the historic character of that building. How many people came? You know, forward, I guess, when you you do an RFP, a request for proposal, that means uh, essentially bidders come to, to buy the building. Is that how that works? Yeah, we put out um, uh, 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 some documentation asking for information, and then uh, eligible folks submit uh, their qualifications. And uh, in this case, we were looking for folks that uh, met our community's needs, and we'd held some uh, community information sessions to understand what folks in that neighborhood and across the city were interested in. And uh, this developer really met those needs with uh, affordable housing and able to work on uh, historic sites. Did you end up ranking what the community, like one housing, two, like what were some of the priorities that the community wanted? Yeah, it was a, a range of, of different things. The number one thing was clearly affordable housing for the neighborhood. Uh, and so we were excited to be able to find a, a developer who was interested in that. But there are other things too. You know, people are worried about food deserts, you know, so having some sort of grocery option. Child care was of interest as a possibility. Uh, historic preservation was on that list. You know, so it was a, a range of different things. Uh, community spaces, uh, gardens, you know, uh, you know, there are a lot of different things that uh, folks in the neighborhood were interested in. I'm trying to think, Lincoln, does it have a lot of real estate to it, like besides the building itself? I mean, there's like a cement yard, isn't there? I don't know if there's a lot of green there isn't a ton of green space uh, towards the east in front of the building. There's a little bit of green space. And we've been fortunate to work with Habitat for Humanity on Renew the Block to dress up that area and create some really neat um, uh, uh, improvements that really make the, the block shine. Did you get the uh, – so the, the South Branch Library is going through the same process right now. And, you know, I think the, you know they come up with some of the – did you get any ridiculous, like, here's what the community wants and it's this, like, an amusement park or something like that. Uh, there weren't any really odd ideas, frankly. I, I thought the folks that showed up to these community information sessions were, were serious and interested, and it was pretty straightforward. Um, how many people do you think – how many meetings did you have for that? 
Uh, I think we had two or three meetings, and there were a hundred people that showed up uh, with over you know, a couple hundred comments. Okay, so that, do you th- do you feel like that was pretty good? Um, based on the the folks that were there, I felt it was representative, and it was in line with other things that we've heard. You know, we've got the city's 2040 plan, you know, to look at too, and what they're interested in that area, and the downtown uh, development plan. You know, looking for medium density housing, and kind of in line with what the city and the downtown neighborhoods looking for. Do you ask the people where they live when they come to these meetings? Because, you know, some guy from Sparta might come and say he was, you know, like, well, okay, but you you live in Sparta. Yeah, folks are pretty clear about where they live, especially with projects like this. So we knew folks were living in the Washburn neighborhood or the the downtown neighborhood, you know. So we definitely understood where where folks were from. And it's not like I mean, Sparta would be pretty far, but if they lived on the north side and it was this school, you know, it still would they still could have a say. I'm not saying they couldn't. Um, how many other groups came forward with like, hey, this is what we would like to do, or we would be interested? You know, I, I guess is it a bid, or do they do they? When they give you your proposal, does it also include a price? Yeah, so we had a, a number of folks reach out and go on tours and, and kind of investigate the, the property. Uh, and we were just thankful to work with Commonwealth and the, the project that they have and excited for what they're going to do. So not how many other groups do we uh, have? We had uh, Commonwealth came in with the, the strongest bid, so we're really excited for them. Um, and then when you when you put it out, like you, uh, we were talking before the show. Like I could have asked my realtor friend, was two point two million like on the listing or? <laughs> yeah, you never know with older buildings. You know what folks see as far as the value. You know, is uh, it OBO or best offer? <laughs> is it one of those deals? It started just out 10, just or best offer. Just put ten million in OBO, right? Like, and then see what people come with. Um, and okay, so you, you, it's going to be an affordable. Like, what what did you like about Commonwealth's proposal? Obviously, it's it, when it comes in line with what like some of the community said. It's going to be affordable housing. Um, and do you, what what did you like? Did they give you a kind of a detailed plan? Like, how, are they going to resurrect the building or are they going to change the building? Can't tear down the building, right? It's got historical designation. Would you guys were a little bit mad about? It, yeah, uh, we would have preferred to have more flexibility in our ability to sell the property, but the city felt like it was important to preserve the historic character. Um, what we liked about uh, the developer Commonwealth and the Wisconsin Partnership for Housing Development was they had done a lot of projects just like this. You know, They had a strong portfolio and they were able to show us pictures of the outcomes from places, even one over in Sparta. Uh, just really great job of creating affordable housing in existing structures, using historic tax credits to restore the property and uh, still make it a really valuable asset for the community. And they've got a local presence, which uh, was exciting as well. 608-785-7914 is the talk text line. We're going to continue this conversation and kind of get into what's next for the Lacrosse School District with Dr. Aaron Engel when we come back. Picked the worst Pearl Jam song here. All right, welcome back. Yeah, yellow, better man. That's the slowest Pearl Jam. I don't know why I picked this one. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. In the studio with me is Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel. Uh, we just get, we're just getting into the news today that the school district has sold Lincoln Middle School, or the the building formerly known as Lincoln Middle School, for 2.2 million to a buyer called Commonwealth Development Corporation of America, and they're going to partner with the well, they call they have partner in their name, Wisconsin Partnership for Housing Development. And essentially going to build a affordable housing there. Do we have any details, like how many units or how much it's going to cost, or like how how detailed did they get when they gave you their proposal? 
Yeah, they gave us a, a sketch of kind of what they thought they could do, but they're going to work on refining those details now and work with the city on zoning ordinances and start acquiring tax credits and other things. You know, it's a, a little bit of a process, and we're excited to see the results. Are you like, phew, okay, next thing, next thing you're, you don't have to worry about this anymore, or do you keep an eye on that? Like, how does this work? Yeah, we don't close until June 30th of 2025, you know, oh, a year wow. and a half from now. So we'll definitely keep an eye on it, and we want to be here to support them in the project. You know, So we'll be accessible and working with them to get a good transition to the property in the meantime. Why is it that long? Uh, they want to make sure that they're able to secure some of this funding that their project is uh, reliant on. And so uh, we think there's a very high likelihood that that'll all come to fruition. But, you know, they need a little bit of time. In the meantime, we'll maintain the property. And, you know, we're even still using the gyms right now. I was going to say, are you going to use the property? You have a year. Just don't ruin it, you know, like, right? Like, <laughs> Yep, exactly. We're still securing the place. We still got security cameras up and make sure it's safe for uh, the neighborhood. And we still have, uh, you know, kids playing in there every every day. All right. So you get $2.2 million. And I know a caller had asked what that money is going to go to. Um, and we were talking over the break. I could just to kind of better understand what that money, because the, the school district has got to balance its budget. Uh, there's a lot of the talk, all of this talk that we have with long range facility plan, is that all kind of surround like balance of budgets always in the back of every idea that the district is having at this point? Yeah. A large part of the conversation right now is about balancing our budget and doing a way that allows us to continue to offer the amazing programs that we offer for kids and keep our great teachers working in our buildings every day. Uh, another part of it, though, is also future-looking. What do we do in the future? And the funds from the sale of this property will be used for our long-range uh, facilities down the road. And some of the things we're excited about that it might be used for, depending on, on where we turn, uh, it could be used for public-facing facilities, things like a performing arts center or improving uh, Logan's track to make it an eight-lane track. Um, other things could be our career and technical education facilities. We need um, auto lifts and modern manufacturing spaces to support great jobs in our community. So there's a lot of different ways this could go, and we'll make those decisions as we get closer to the time we close. And when you say we'll make those decisions, is that a district thing, or does, does that all go through a school board? Uh, we'll involve the school board in those decisions. That's a pretty big expenditure of funds. At the end of the day, you know, they control those kind of big things. And so we we'll want to make sure that it meets our community's needs and our school board is the representative group that determines that. On top of that, when you had the, we had, we, for eight months, we had a facilities advisory committee go through like kind of what the district, what could, what would be the best for the district. And they came up with closing Hinchin and Northwoods and that's not set in stone, but like some of the detailed reports in there we're like, this building needs this much maintenance. This building needs that much maintenance. Do you take that in 2.2 million and throw it at these buildings as opposed to doing something? I mean, it's one thing to update buildings. It's another thing to update a track, right? Yeah, absolutely. Our buildings have some needs. And if something acute shows up, you know, a boiler goes out or uh, there's uh, you know some flooding somewhere, we'll certainly address those needs. Uh, but our hope is to use our routine maintenance budget to address kind of ongoing needs and look at investing in uh, the things that will really attract people to our community and really benefit students. Okay. Um, balancing the budget, where like how far behind is the district? Yeah, we continue to face declining enrollment, and uh, that really has a pretty large impact on our budget. You know, on an annual basis over the next five years, we're looking at a projected budget deficit of 2.3 to $3 million that grows over time. 
Two, okay, so four or five years, it'll be about two, $2 million? In five years, it'll be about three, three and a half million dollars okay. projected budget deficit. And so the, the efficiencies that we gain from combining facilities and consolidation will help us get there without significantly impacting uh, student instruction and the experience and programs our kids have access to. Okay, so five years, somebody would go, you just sold Lincoln, take that $2.2 2. 2 and then throw it at that deficit, right? Yeah, that is. Uh, it seems logical in some ways, but the the challenge is that three million dollars is a every year deficit. So every year we got to come up with that oh, okay. money. See, yeah. I thought it was over. Okay, so three million dollars a year every every year for five years. And so year after, so you yeah. if you take the Lincoln, well, you know, here's what we do: you take the Lincoln money, two point two million. That solves next year. Now we'll sell Hinchin, right? And then we'll take that money. Hopefully, get two three million for it. I don't know. Like that's you can't you can't run a school district like that though, right? Yeah, that that's you know hoping that the next bonus shows up at just the right time to balance your budget. You know, we've got to be responsible with taxpayers' money. We've got to be thoughtful about the future, uh, and we've got to provide a balanced budget with some certainty so that parents and teachers know what's coming every year, as opposed to we don't know how we're going to balance the budget this year. Like that's just no way to run a, a business, no way to run a school district. There's a good Clark Griswold analogy here where he's hoping for the bonus to build a pool, right? But you guys get the bonus, right? So now you can kind of build the pool. Are you going to build a pool? Maybe you could build a pool. Uh, that's a that's a public-facing thing, right? <laughs> that is a public-facing thing. It's something we've talked about. I don't know if it's in our short-term plans, but you know, if the community thinks that um, that's an area for us to improve our facilities. We've got a pool at Logan. It's unfortunately a little short for competition these days. It was built under the yards, not meters metric. And so uh, we've got to figure out that at some point. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, what, did, what did you tell me was built in the night? Oh, the, the, the Performing Arts Center, right? Like, that's one. Like if you had a list of priorities we're going to use the Lincoln money for, it would be maybe a Logan track. Uh, you talked about tech stuff for classes, right? And then a Performing Arts Center. Why, why the Performing Arts Center? Yeah, if I had to prioritize things, you know, career and technical education is so crucial for the the economy and jobs in our area. But we have amazing arts programs here, uh, phenomenal show choirs, bands. You know, they're performing at state events on a regular basis, and our facilities just don't match that quality. And we want to support those programs. We want to, when people come in, we want to show off the amazing uh, facilities that we have in our. Uh, performing arts center at um, Central's original. It's 1967, and it's okay. It gets us by, but our kids, our families, our community deserves uh, the best that we can offer them. This is part of that like PR campaign that I always talk about. We, if we're going to have kids want to come to the school district, or parents have their kids come to the school district, then you got to show off the facilities that the the district has to entice them to come, right? And do you, would you say that some of the facilities the district has has enticed the those students or those parents that put their students elsewhere? I think some of our facilities are amazing and attract folks. Others, you know, it's time to think about updates. And I think uh, the school district has been thoughtful and responsible for the years. And I think there's an opportunity now as we move forward to think about uh, how do we make those better for the next 50, 100 years? Um, what, what about people who are, you know, when you say you're going to use the $2.2 in Lincoln money for athletics, like, oh, really, that's is that the best way – because you were talking to me over the break, it's not just like we're, the the Logan track's going to be expanded, but it, but it's kind of beyond that a little bit, right? Yeah, it's something that's been on our wish list for a while, and I don't know that this money will be used for that exactly. There's a lot of competing priorities right now, but our our Logan 
field is amazing and it's great to attract people, but the bleachers and press box are aging and we want it to be, you know, ADA accessible so all community members can access it. Yeah, I think you have to get up on a rope ladder to get to the press box, if I remember right. <laughs> it is a it's a it's a hike. And then our track there um, is only six lanes, and we want to host uh, impressive events. Uh, you know, we want to be the regional um, site for uh, competitions, and we can't do that right now at one of our best facilities. And so if we're able to make that an eight-lane track, we can really show off the school district of La Crosse, give our kids some of the best experiences right here instead of having to go to other places to, to experience those things. I know the original long-range – I don't know if it was a long – maybe it was the short-range facility plan was to consolidate high schools – combine Logan and, Mid- and uh, Central can, can we without doing that could we combine some of these like extracurriculars in a way that because Central already plays at Aquinas in, or not at UWL Aquinas plays at UWL could we have some kind of like central area in the city where we put a performing arts I know you'd have to buy a building now we're talking about buying a building but but or or like a football field this is where Central and Logan are going to play and it's state-of-the-art and we could host playoff games here and and other things. Yeah, it wouldn't take us much to invest in the the Logan Field to get to that kind of a, a, a site. But the um, central people would hate that because they don't want to go to Logan to play their football games. You know, they're, although they're going, UWL is kind of cool for for that. I think though. Yeah, Sun Prairie is an example where they've done that. They created a standalone football field that both their teams play at, so nobody feels like it's somebody's home turf right. or away turf. A little harder for us to do here at this point, but uh, you know, we already co-op. You know, 50, 60% of our athletics, you know, so our students are used to working together and, and, you know, they have friendships that span our buildings and uh, with AAU and club and youth sports, you know, our, our kids are all over the place talking to each other. How's your relationship with like the car dealers? Cause they got all kinds of real estate right in downtown. Maybe they can give you all their car dealer real estate and we could put the facility right here. <laughs> There's been lots of bright ideas about how to figure need some to of come, those things out. I got, I got to come to one of the meetings, right? Hey, here's my idea, and you just go, get out of here. We always accept public comment. You live in Minnesota, Rick. Get out of here. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about the long-range facility plan because I keep doing the thing where I don't talk about the probably the most important thing, and we'll do that when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Sullivan in the studio with me this hour, Lacrosse School Superintendent, Dr. Aaron Engel. We're gonna we save the best for last. Although I think the news of the day is that you sold Lincoln. That might have been the best. Um, but the the more more importantly, I think is like that's the stepping stone to uh, what happens next because the facility advisory committee said close Northwoods and close Hinchin, a north south plan to to kind of consolidate buildings. And for you've had two lacrosse school board meetings now, and you're gonna have two more before the school board makes a decision. Well, how have those meetings gone? And is that still like very much the you know of the forefront of the plan closing Hinchin and Northwoods, or are we kind of de- deviating? Yeah, we are incredibly thankful to the facility advisory committee for their work exploring the issues, coming up with options. Uh, and it was clear from the FAC's report that they were also interested in expanding the conversation beyond just closure and looking at you know referenda and consolidation of schools in that process potentially. And so I think the the school board took that to heart. And uh, requested some options to consider as a, a part of their deliberation. And so, um, along with our long-range facility plan that we presented to the board uh, in early January. How we, long is that plan? Is that the 2040 or is that is there a year you could put on that? 2050, 2050 is kind right. of what we're looking out to as you know, priorities over the next uh, you know, 
25 years. Yep. Uh, the school board also wanted those options to consider. And so we put together a, a, a number of different options and courses of action that they could deliberate on um, uh, that incorporated both the facility advisory committee's recommendations and a number of other things. Do you have like a, are, where are we with that? Is, is there a, I'm always doing rankings. Is there a ranking? What are, are we still closing elementary schools or are we, are, are we not wanting to do that anymore? Yeah, I think from what I've heard so far, you know, the board is, you know, everything's on the table, except that at the last meeting, they did take a couple things off the table. Um, the One of the first options was do not do anything, right? Don't address the facilities. And the board said that wasn't an option. It was too damaging to our school district, too damaging to our staffing and the instruction our students would get. And and. We have this dilemma because the district has too many buildings and not enough students, right, essentially? That's basically it. We've had fewer students enrolling in our schools because we've had declining birth rates. People are just having fewer kids than they used to. And so, you know, the difference between an exiting senior class and an incoming kindergarten class might be minus 50, minus 100. And that's in like every year that adds up. Every year that adds up. And the school district is paid by head, right, essentially? It's kind of a weird way to say it, but... Every pupil is like, a, is it 11 grand or 11-ish grand? Yeah, but $11,600 per pupil, you know, so it, when you lose, you know, 100 kids, you know, that's, that's a lot of money, $1.1 million. All right, so one, one thing off the board is don't do anything, which makes perfect sense. Yep. Another thing that they looked at was uh, an option that was presented was uh, that really focused on socioeconomic balance and maximizing the enrollment in schools. And, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of discussion on that issue, but the board felt like that wasn't the right solution right now for our school district. And so they've started to look through some of those other options, and they've also been proposing new ones. You know, our board members have been diving into the details and, you know, reviewing the facility advisory committee's work, and they've come up with some other options as well. All right. So initially, did we have seven options? Initially, there were seven, yes. And then we took two off the board. Took two off the board. And then the school board came up. Did you tell me three before the show? I think you said three. Yep. Three different things to consider, you know, from different school board members, you know, just different ways to approach it, combinations of other ideas that are out there. And so, you know, the board's really got their, uh, you know, is going to dive into the work over the next couple of months, the next couple of weeks to really kind of figure this out. So we had seven, we cut two, we had five, then we added three. So we have eight. Yeah. So we went from, and we have four meetings, and it's not like a hard deadline, but we had four meetings to do this, and we want to make a decision by February nineteenth. So after two meetings, we've added an option. I don't know if that's good. Should we be whittling down, or is the do you go okay? Next two board meetings, we got to whittle this down to where we we take a vote on something. Yeah, they're still in the discussion and dialogue phase, and you know, I think if it came down, you know, to vote on each of those, I think we'd pretty quickly see a direction that the school board's headed in. I get a sense that, you know, the board really wants to attract and retain students. And so they want to create, you know, a positive environment and place that people want to be, you know, so maybe that involves a referendum, you know, the board's got a, a tough decision here. I'm here to support them and, uh, and help, uh, find a solution that meets our needs, balances our budget and provides the best possible education for kids. And are most of these choices closing some version, some version of closing buildings, closing schools? Yeah. In the courses of action that I presented, all of them uh, closed at least two elementary schools and saved us $3 million uh, a year so that we could balance our budget and really focus on instruction of our students where they're at. Why is it always elementary schools? Um, in this case, it's elementary schools because, you know, our community voted on the high school option. You know, we pitched one high school as a way to solve some of these challenges and our community was very clear. 
They wanted two schools. And so we're committed to maintaining that for the time being. And uh, we address the middle schools when we close Lincoln. You know, So we've kind of settled our secondary options for now. And so to balance our budget, we've got to turn our attention to elementary facilities. Um, and when the facility advisory committee comes up, I, I, you know, Northwood seems like Northwoods is the newest school, right? Um, North side or North side was right. built in 2014, but after that it's Southern bluffs and Northwoods, which are built in 92, you know, so they're 30 ish years old. Actually, I don't know if, I don't see Southern bluffs. I am just skimming to some of these, uh, these options, but is, is, is Northwood still very much, uh, because it seems like that we wouldn't want to close that school because it's kind of the nicest, but also we might get the most money for that school, right? Uh, return on investment, maybe you'd get a little bit more money. The reason why it was identified in this process was there's not a lot of students that live out there. Yeah. Almost every student's bust to that school. And so uh, neighborhood schools, access to schools came up consistently when we've talked to folks and through the facility advisory committee. Um, but it poses a, an odd conundrum then. It's a newer school with, that needs less maintenance. So it doesn't make sense in some ways to, to get rid of that newer school and you know, there's maybe different ways it could be utilized. Maybe there's, you know, our charter schools go out there, or uh, maybe it's not a boundary school anymore. There's a number of things that yeah. There's some proposed. unique. There's some unique proposals where you keep it a school but make it. Yeah, there's that school that you bought the bar right da- downtown and change that to some like tech school or something. Yeah, downtown, uh, the Eagles Club was turned into our polytechnic uh, school. It's an amazing facility down there that really um, facilitates a unique way of learning, a project-based learning model that's really integrated into the downtown with youth apprenticeships and volunteering. So it's a really neat school, neat option, but we also you know, explored in our courses of action what it looks like if that's associated with a high school. Um, and then I guess what, wh- how, how can the public stay involved in this? And I know that's like a, kind of the big thing after the high school plan is we need to get the public more information, more, I don't know if it's involved is, I guess involved, but like what, what's the, the option there? Yeah. Public comment at a school board meetings an option of course. Uh, but I know our school board likes to think about things and be deliberative. And so written comments sent to the, the board is always helpful too. You know, that allows them to take a little more time to digest things and, and, and in the context of everything else. And so I encourage people to reach out, you know, via email or send letters if that's the way they prefer. It's that sort of information that helps them kind of take it all in. Do you think if you, uh, like at the end of this process, will you be selling two more buildings, do you think? I mean, the other options for, you know, you, you did at one point have like a county district childcare plan. I mean, is that, is that still on the table? Stuff like that? Yeah. One of the things that uh, is in our long range facility plan is to think about repurposing property that we might no longer use primarily as educational facilities. Um, they're not making new land. And, you know, if I take a short term view, maybe selling the property makes sense, but we're going to have a school district here for 20, 50, a hundred years. And who knows what'll happen? Birth rates may change. Housing might change where we need schools might change to me just as, as a you know business person, somebody who's thinking conservatively, you got to hold on to the property you have in case you need it in the future, but we need to work with our community to figure out what to do with it. In the meantime, that could be childcare could be business incubators. It could be repurposing it for, uh, you know, athletic facilities or, or other things for our community benefit. Lots of different ideas. The enrollment numbers, though, for for how far out, uh, say the enrollment's going to keep going down, though, right? Or not? Yep. Um, five, ten years out, our projections show declining enrollment. You know, if you just look at our 
if even if our if our kindergarten classes stayed stable and nothing else changed, we would be looking at declining enrollment for 10, 12 years. And beyond that, it's hard to predict? Hard to predict. All right. That's La Crosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you for having me. All right. Coming up tomorrow, State, State Assembly Rep. Jill Billings. Uh, we talk about the State of the State address that Governor Evers had and you know what, what the Assembly's up to. Thanks, everybody, for listening and texting.